0: Awesome, awesome. Good morning, everyone at every one of our campuses across the state. Welcome. It's an honor to be with you today. And uh, as you heard Pastor Shane just mentioned, I actually spent uh, many years in Spartanburg. And today's a special day for our Spartanburg family, because today Spartanburg is celebrating their 10-year anniversary. Ten years ago today, we had our first services... In Spartanburg, it's amazing. I want to celebrate with you, Drew Hankins, the campus pastor, staff, volunteers. Thank you, thank you, thank you for pouring it out in Spartanburg, South Carolina, for the sake of the gospel. That community is different because of the last 10 years. And God's got 10 more years of fruitful ministry in store. Thousands of people baptized in Spartanburg, and here's what's awesome: two of them were my children, which is which is amazing. And and uh, if you, if you would humor me for a moment, I'd love to introduce you to my children because I said I've, there were there were two that got baptized in Spartanburg, but I got more than that. Can I introduce you to my family really quick so you know more about me? This is a picture of my family right here. Awesome. This is our Halloween picture. Uh, that's my wife Bridget. It'll be 15 years in August, which is which is amazing. Time flies. Right beside her in the back with the with the little antennas, that's my oldest, 10 year old Addie Kate. There's Bennett, my eight year old, in the red and the black he's the one that's having so much fun but not looking listen y'all we got four out of five looking like I feel like that is a huge win uh the little pumpkin there in the in the cart that's Ezra he's our one-year-old the other little boy in the cart he is dressed as a power ranger and that is our little Ezekiel Zeke man and uh he's he's four and then the monkey uh she's our five-year-old little girl I call her name's Lucy Marie I call her Lubu Marubu and uh, that's that's my family uh thank thank you guys Can I just tell you, uh, my family is so honored to be a part of this church family. I've been a part of New Spring Church for uh, almost 20 years now, and God has used the ministries of this church to change my life, to change my family. I love being a part of this church family. And as we're thinking about New Spring Church, let me ask you a question. Why do we do what we do here at New Spring Church? Like, why do we have 14 campuses across the state, Why do we have all of these ministries and all these different worldwide initiatives that we're doing? Why do we have KidSpring? Why do we have Fuse? Why do we do what we do? Well, if you've been around New Spring for, for a while, the last several years, quite honestly, the leadership of the church has been asking that. We've been trying to say, okay, why do we do what we do? Who are we? Who are we becoming? Who is God calling us to become? And then COVID happens. The pandemic hits. And During that time, can I tell you, I was honored to be able to be a part of this process and see God make it abundantly clear why we do what we do. We're in a series right now that's trying, we're trying to explain why we do what we do. We've got a brand new vision statement, which is just a a fancy way of saying, What is the heart of our church? Like, what is, when we say vision, what do we mean? We mean, uh, we're trying to articulate the heart of our church. We're trying to articulate why we do what we do. And this is our new vision statement. We want to see everyone everywhere in an everyday relationship with Jesus. is not we want to see everyone everywhere come to New Spring Church on Sunday. It's not we want to just grow our, our buildings and grow our church. Yeah, we do want our church to grow. But we believe Jesus is calling us into something greater than that. We believe that Jesus Christ came, lived the perfect sinless life that we could not live, died the death we deserve to die on the cross, he rose from the grave, and he extends salvation to everyone because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we want to take this vision, this mission, this heart forward in our communities in the world. So where do we get all of this? Like why did we land on this statement? Well, we get it from from scripture. So today in my remaining time, about 30 minutes, what I'm gonna try my very best to do is teach the Bible, the whole Bible. We're gonna be in Genesis, this is no joke. We're gonna be in Genesis, we're gonna be in, in the Gospels, we're gonna be in Revelation, but why am I doing this? Because I want all of us to understand that the heart of God is revealed In the pages of scripture. So the Bible. What is the Bible? Well the Bible is the story of God. It's the story of a holy, perfect, self-sufficient God. That needs nothing and needs no one to sustain himself or provide for him. Yet he chooses in his love and his grace and in his character to create everything and everyone for his glory. You see, the story of the Bible is a story about how God chose to create humanity in his own image. Male and female, in the image of God, he created them. Not because he needed us. Not because we had anything to offer him. but simply because he wanted to display his glory in us and share his love with us. He created us that we might know him and be loved by him, that we might love him in return and walk with him every day, and that we might carry out his purposes in creation. Two weeks ago, Pastor Brad talked about this up, in, out life with God. And look, we were made for that. We were made up. We were made to know God and be loved by God, in. We were made To love God in return and walk with him every day. Out. We were made to carry out his purposes in his creation. That's why God made us. And you can find out all of that right here on this first page of scripture. Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 make that purpose abundantly clear. But then you turn the page and Genesis 3 happens. Genesis 3, here's what happens. Humanity decides... God, I know I'm supposed to know you and be loved by you, but I actually kind of don't, I don't trust you. I don't know that I can believe you. We believe a lie. That lie then comes inside of us and we can't, we don't love God in return because we don't know that we can trust him. And how, if we don't love God, how could we ever carry out his purposes in creation? So we decide, I trust my purposes above God's purposes. I'm gonna carry out my purposes in creation. That's what sin is. It's crowning ourselves God. It's like, I don't want to go your way, God. I'm going to go my way. Humanity does that in Genesis chapter 3. And look at me, church. The rest of this book, you see all that right there? The rest of this book is the story of God moving to humanity that he might redeem us and restore us back into our original purpose, back into our original state of knowing God and being loved by God, of loving God and walking with him every day and carrying out his purposes in creation. This is the story, the beautiful story of God's heart for humanity. This is what the Bible is. You were made to know God and be loved by God. To love God and walk with him every day. And to carry out his purposes and his creation. Where do we see this? There's lots of passages of scripture that we can jump into. But I'm going to jump into a big one in Genesis chapter 12. This is the covenant between God and Abraham. This was before he was even called Abraham. He was just Abram at this point in time. The covenant between God and Abram. And I believe that this heart, the heart of God is going to leap off the page. And I hope that today we get captivated in this beautiful story of scripture. The story of God moving towards humanity. That he might redeem us and restore us. I hope that you will see God's heart for you in this story. Genesis chapter 12. We find a man named Abram who isn't worshiping the God of the Bible but the God of the Bible moves toward him and he says this now the lord said to abram genesis 12:1 now the lord said to abram imagine this for a minute god shows up and he speaks to you god moves to you that he might say something to you you need to know church that god has something to say to you today He has moved toward us. He moved to Abram and he said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. Imagine that right there. Imagine God showing up in your lunch table today and saying, hey, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing to bless you. I'm choosing to make a great nation of you and I am choosing That your name will be great. That's some good news right there, right? It's a great blessing. Why does God choose Abraham? What's the purpose of God moving toward Abraham and choosing him? To bless him. God makes it clear right here. Why does he do it? So that you will be a blessing. God didn't choose to bless Abraham that that blessing may terminate on Abraham. God chooses to move towards Abraham and bless him that Abraham might carry out God's purposes in creation by blessing, carrying that blessing of God to others. Goes on to say, verse 3 I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, in your family line, in your lineage, in your offspring is what this is talking about. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Everyone on earth is going to be blessed through you, Abraham. What a promise. He says it like he confirms this promise later in Genesis chapter 17. God says to Abraham, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven. Can we talk about that for a minute? That is crazy. Astronomers can't even number the stars of the heavens. Did you know that? There are so many stars that no one can number them. I want you to remember that little bit of the promise. The rest of this in in Genesis 17 says, and in your offspring from your lineage shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Right here in Genesis, God makes his heart apparent. His heart is that everyone everywhere might experience what? Blessing, the blessing of God. What an amazing God we have. We need to know, I want you to know That when God moved toward Abraham, God was moving toward us. He was moving toward everyone, everywhere. When God moved toward Abraham, he was moving toward you. He was moving toward you that you might experience the blessing of a restored, redeemed relationship with God. Knowing God and being loved by God. Loving God and walking with him every day and carrying out his purposes in his creation. That's what you were made for. And God moved towards Abraham that you might walk in that blessing. Because through Abraham, everyone everywhere is going to experience the blessing. So how in the world is God going to fulfill this promise? Well, from there, Abraham had a son named Isaac, which was a miracle. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. This is, became the 12 tribes of Israel. And it's looking good. They're having lots of kids. Okay, cool. You know, things, things are going along. But then they end up in Egypt. And in Egypt, they end up in slavery. And it's like, what in the world are you doing, God. We're supposed to be walking in this blessing, but we're enslaved. This seems impossible. How in the world can this be the blessing that you have in mind for us? How can it be? We're in slavery. And God moves towards them and he miraculously delivers them from slavery through all these amazing, amazing signs and wonders and he, he moves them out of slavery and takes them eventually to the promised land and in this promised land uh, they're trying to establish themselves and trying to walk in this promise and trying to experience the blessing but no matter how hard they try it just keeps getting worse they have these judges, read the book of Judges, it is crazy these judges were nuts didn't work Well, then they try to establish these kings. And the very best of the kings, as they're trying to establish the kingdom of God on earth and trying to to get this blessing, the very best of them, King David was a murderer and an adulterer. King Solomon had 700 wives and worshiped other gods. Even King Josiah, the great reformer, at the end of his life, Chronicles records that he, in pride, went to battle against the Lord's word and ended up dying. All these kings, you know where they led Israel? To captivity. This promise that God whispered to Abraham seemed long gone. The hope of this promise being fulfilled was growing dimmer and dimmer. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like God has made some promises in His Word? And they're not coming, and he's not coming through on them. Have you ever been in a in a place where you're like, Where are you, God? I don't understand what you're doing, God. When we're in those places, church, the word is so powerful because we can bank on the story of scripture. Because when Israel was in its darkest place, they were pushed out to exile. The people of, the, the, the people of God felt like the, the promises of God could never come through, but God promised. You know what he said? He saved a remnant, and he brings that remnant back to the promised land, and they start building. But then after they start building, lots of things happen. I'm going to fast forward. And Rome comes in, and they're living underneath the oppression of Rome, and it is dark again. And it feels so dark and so impossible for this promise to be a reality. And in the darkest moment, God shined the brightest light. In the darkest moment, God made his ultimate move towards humanity. In the darkest moment, God sent a baby. A baby to be born by a virgin named Mary A baby to be born in a manger. And Matthew and and I think Mark and Luke, they all record the birth of Jesus. And I want to talk about the way Matthew records it. It's very interesting. Matthew chapter 1 records the birth of Jesus. But he does it by listing a genealogy. Y'all know what a genealogy is? It's just like a list of names. So-and-so was the father of so-and-so, was the father of so-and-so, was the father of so-and-so, was the, like, can I stop reading this now? Do I really have to keep reading this? Why is this in the Bible? Y'all, y'all been there? You know what I'm talking about? Like the genealogy, the list of names. Can I tell you something about the word of God? Every time you want to lean out of the word of God, the Bible, because it makes you uncomfortable. There's plenty of things in there that ought to make you uncomfortable or you don't understand it and it seems boring, is an opportunity to actually lean in and try to find out what God is trying to say to us. Why would God put this in here? If he could write anything, why would he write this list of names? Why would he do that? Well, Matthew, he was the tax collector, the disciple of Jesus. His gospel account was written, uh, most scholars believe, to a Jewish audience. So intentionally to Jewish people. Jewish people were the people that received this promise. They're the descendants of Abraham. And they're waiting. They're waiting on the promise to be fulfilled. What's the promise? That through Abraham's offspring, all the nations, everyone, everywhere will receive this blessing from God. So Matthew starts by saying this. Matthew chapter 1 verse 2. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Right there, he captivates his Jewish audience. Okay, he's getting into the lineage of Abraham. This is through this lineage, through this offspring. This blessing is supposed to, we're supposed to receive this blessing and it's supposed to extend to the whole world. Where's Matthew going with this? There's 14 verses in between right here in the end that have lots of amazing, amazing people in them. People like Tamar. People like Rahab, people like Ruth, people like Solomon, people like Salmon. I don't know who Salmon is, but God used him. You know what I'm saying? People like Jacob, verse 16, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary, the peasant girl. Mary, the girl from the peasant community of Nazareth. Mary, the girl who was probably constantly overlooked. Imagine The least of these, Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. That word Christ, it means Messiah. It means the chosen one. So from the very beginning of his gospel account, Matthew is declaring to his Jewish audience, and he's declaring it today to us, that Jesus Christ is the chosen one. Jesus Christ is the one the offspring by which this promise to Abraham is fulfilled. Jesus is the promise of the, of the covenant to Abraham, and Jesus is the door by which everyone everywhere might have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the way by which we can be restored, not just the Jewish people, all humanity, How do we know this? What happened in Jesus' life? Again, he lived this perfect life. He he was sinless. God God came. He became flesh. He took on flesh. He was sinless. He lived a perfect life. He was crucified, paid the penalty of the sin, our sin, the the sin that that we deserve to die for, he died for. You see, sin broke and fractured our, our purpose and fractured us. So you know in communion how you break the bread? That represents the fact that Jesus, God himself, came and he became broken like us that he might make us whole again. Isn't that amazing? That's what Jesus did. And then he rose from the grave and he promises us eternal life in Christ for all who believe, For. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." But here, this church, everyone can come to the Father through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus. Everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, what you done, what you've done, what sin you're struggling with. It doesn't matter what your past is, what your present is, what your future is. Through Jesus Christ, you can be restored to relationship with your Father. You could be restored to to knowing God and being loved by God. You could be restored to loving God and walking with him in relationship every day. You could be restored to your purpose of carrying out his purposes in his creation. It's what Jesus came to do. And here's what's amazing, church. What's happened in the last 2,000 years? The movement has, has grown from 120 believers to 2.38 believers in Jesus Christ that are on planet earth today. Think about this. Just like Matthew was declaring with the genealogy that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, so the last 2,000 years of history have been declaring that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, that through Jesus, this promise of blessing has extended to all people, to all nations, to all tribes, to all ethnicities, to all languages all over the earth. This is the heart of our God, our God who moves towards us. This is the story of the Bible. It's the story of our God who moves towards humanity that he might redeem us and and make us right again. What an amazing God is the God of the Bible. But to what end? What's the purpose? Where are we going? What's the, the final destination of this whole thing? Why would God move towards humanity like this? I believe with all of my heart when he was whispering this this promise to Abraham, he had this picture in mind. It's a picture that we see in Revelation 7, 9, and 10. And it's a a picture that God gave to the Apostle John. So the Apostle John uh, wrote Revelation. and, And Revelation is full of visions of heaven. There's several visions of heaven. This is one of them. Let's read it together. John says this, After this I looked, and behold, this is his vision of heaven. A great multitude that no one could number. Let's stop right here. Maybe like no one could number the stars in the sky. This was that kind of multitude. Do you see the thread of the promise coming all the way to Revelation? From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to to the Lamb. Please See this picture. See this picture that God gives us of heaven. And know that the heart of God must be the heart of our church. We see the heart of God in Revelation. We see the heart of God through Jesus. We see the heart of God as he calls Abraham. And that same heart, that heart to move towards humanity, to redeem humanity to its original purpose, that same heart has to reside in us. This is why we, ha- we do everything we do. This is why we have a value of pursuing Uncommon unity. We have a value of pursuing a common unity largely because of what we see here in Revelation 7, 9, and 10. What do we see? We see a great multitude from every nation, all tribes and peoples and languages standing before and worshiping God, right? That moves us because Jesus told us to pray like this Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And until we see this on earth, we need to be praying for it and we need to be acting in such a way that pursues this reality. This is why we wanna be a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church because we see this picture in heaven. We are compelled by the heart of God to become this kind of church. We wanna be a multi-ethnic church that represents the demographics of the communities that we are in. Why? Because the heart of God compels us. Now, if this bothers you, specifically like white Christians, okay, sometimes this can bother us. If this bothers you, I want you to be bothered by the fact that you're bothered. It should bother you that something bothers you about the fact that we want to be in a multi-ethnic church. All we want to do is display the heart of God to all humanity, And we believe that this picture we see in Revelation ought to be a reality in the church. If you're excited about it, and you're like, I'm in for this, come on. I want you to do me a favor. Text UNITY to 30303. You can do it right now or do it later. The reason I'm doing this is because, man, we're new here. We've got a long way to go to to become what we want to become when it comes to being a multi-ethnic church. We've got a long way to go. And we need your help. And so this, this is going to tell you what we're doing, what our plans are, and how you can engage, and you'll get some monthly updates. We just want to be a church whose heart is for everyone everywhere because we serve a God whose heart is for everyone everywhere. Now, we're not at Re- Revelation 7-9 yet, right? Like, like, it's obvious that humanity has a lot, uh, a, a lot of problems. It's obvious that we're not uh, in this heavenly reality yet. We're in a kingdom. The kingdom of God is like the kingdom that is. It's right now, but it's not yet. Does it make sense? What do we do in the meantime? What do we do? Jesus doesn't make it unclear to us in every gospel account, and even in Acts of the Apostles. So, five, you know, five different times we see like a very clear commission from Jesus. And I want us to roll through this because I want us to get in our heart. That this is the mission God gives his disciples. He gives us. He gives the church. So let's look at it. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go to all nations. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Luke 24, 45 through 47. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. God, would you open our minds, please, to understand your word? And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations because all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 20, 21, Jesus said it like this. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Isn't the whole world searching for peace? Every human soul is searching for peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. He gives us peace Does he give it so that it terminates with us? No, 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 he blesses us with peace, why? As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus has chosen to bless us with peace that we might share it with the world. The Father sent Jesus into the world to bring about his purposes in the world. We are sent in the same way. The icing on the cake, Acts chapter one, verse eight says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Church, I'm very thankful that the group of people 7,000 miles away, 2,000 years ago, took this seriously. Because 7,000 miles away, 2,000 years later, we are here worshiping the same God that they were worshiping. Worshiping the same God as Abraham, receiving the same blessing that God promised Abraham. Why? Because they took this mission seriously. We are the ends of the earth to them. We are an unknown people in an unknown land, and they took this seriously, and God has fulfilled his promise, and he is fulfilling his promise. Until we get to Revelation 7, until we get to the end, this is our mission. This is the mission of God, the mission of his people, and the mission of God must be the mission of our church. The heart of God must be the heart of our church, and the mission of God must be the mission of our church church this is why we do everything how are we going to like how are we going to accomplish this through the ministries and the local uh churches that we have across the state we have 14 campuses in south carolina and we're trying to just carry out this mission why do we have parkers and greeters in the parking lot volunteering well we believe that the gospel that extends to everyone and so many people are coming to church carrying so much church hurt or baggage or pain or or anger towards God or confusion. And we want every one of them to experience the heart of God as soon as they as soon as they drive on our campuses. We want every car to be greeted with an army of, of parkers and an army of greeters. Not because you can't park yourselves, you are grown-ups. You can park yourselves. When's the last time you went to Target and there's someone parking you? We don't do it to, to park you. We do it so that you can be smiled and waved at and those walls can start breaking down. We greet you by an army of greeters because we want to display the heart of God to you. We do worship and production and volunteers get here early every single week to make all this happen. We do this that you might encounter the God that is moving towards you. We do Kidspring that kids may experience Jesus on their level, that they may learn how to walk with Jesus in an everyday way. Can I tell you about KidSpring? Let me brag about KidSpring. Do you know there are hundreds of countries, like over a hundred countries that are using the curriculum that we produce right here in-house. Not only that, our YouTube channel, which is where a lot of this curriculum is housed, is being being watched all over the world. It's got 97,000 subscribers, many of which aren't in the United States. They're in India and Indonesia, and, and mom and dad in the room right now. Uh, Man, it's a great resource. I'd encourage you to hop on there and subscribe and look at the resources that that we're helping your kids with. But I tell you this because we have world-class kids curriculum for your kids and for your neighbor's kids because we want them to know Jesus on their level. Why do we do young adult ministry, FUSE, student ministry, 6th through 12th grade, and rally Young Adult Ministry? Well, because studies have showed, it's proven that the more spiritual mentors you can get in a a young person's life, the more likely they are to follow Jesus all of their life. So we're just trying to get people in there that can help disciple them and help be a spiritual uh, leader in their life. Why do we do classes for adults and and, and Bible studies and men's groups and women's groups? Because we wanna help you walk out this everyday relationship with Jesus. We wanna make disciples. Every single campus has an outreach initiative. Things that we are doing to reach deep into our community and share the love of God. With our communities, We do these things because we're compelled by the heart and the mission of God. My question to you, New Spring Church, is if you're not on one of these teams, but you call New Spring your home, would you jump in with us? Would you come help us make disciples in our cities? Would you come help us share the heart of God with our communities? Would you join us? Would you join a volunteer team? Maybe you used to serve before the pandemic. It's time to jump back in. I want to unapologetically ask you, if you're a part of New Spring Church, Man, if we're gonna accomplish this vision, we need you. You're a part of the body and God has a purpose for you. Let's think of like the church. What the church is, is it's the body of believers, it's, it's, it's Christians who come together to grow more in their relationship with Jesus and, and make disciples and organize their efforts in order to, to accomplish God's purposes in creation, right? That's what we do. So, KidSpring is an organized effort to try to accomplish God's, create, God's work, right? All, everything I just said, would you join us as we organize our efforts to make a bigger difference? But, you know, there's danger in organized religion. There's danger for you, for your own soul, in organized religion. You're like, what do you mean? Well, let's, let's see this quote by C.S. Lewis. This helps us understand. But even in this present life, there is danger in the very concept of religion it carries the suggestion that this is one more department of life. An extra department added to the economic, the social, the intellectual, the recreational, and all the rest. Listen to this. But that whose claims are infinite can have no standing as a department. Either it is an illusion or else our whole life falls under it. We have no non-religious activities, only religious and irreligious Can I tell you something, New Spring Church, the mission God has for you cannot be put off on the church as an organization. It cannot be a checkbox, I serve at the church. Well, you ought to serve at the church. I just asked you to serve at the church. But Jesus has more for you. The personal mission Jesus has for you is not a once a week organizational checkbox. It is an everyday relationship with Jesus and it is living on mission every day, everywhere we go. Jesus is calling you into an all-consuming, everyday mission. Wherever we find ourselves, whoever we find ourselves around, may we be found sharing the love of God. You see, the heart and mission of God it has got to be the heart and mission of the church, but it's got to be the heart and mission of my life, not just the church as an organization. My life. This is going to be challenging. It's going to cost you. Living this out costs Jesus his life, but it's worth it. Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, You who are blessed by my Father, you who have received and walked in the 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 blessing I promised to Abraham, come inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Question: How do I know if I'm in that group? I mean, I imagine you want to be in that group. You're probably at church today because you want to be in that group. I want to be in that group. Jesus doesn't leave us wondering. He goes on to say, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. How do I be in this group? I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when, when? When do we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The fruit of truly knowing Christ Jesus is a life poured out loving others. The fruit of truly knowing Jesus Christ is a life poured out loving the least of these. What would happen if a community of believers like New Spring Church in a state like South Carolina decided to relentlessly live out this personal mission in our everyday lives? What would happen if the people who are ostracized, cast aside, counted out, hurting, broken, poor, sick, far from God? What would happen if the least of these experienced the great love of God as you, on God's behalf, move towards them just like God moved towards you? Who are the least of these in your life? Who are the people in your life Who you don't want to move towards. You'd love to move away from them. Who are the people in your life who are hard to love? Jesus said, love your enemies. Who are the people in your life in need? How are you moving towards them? You see, we were made to know God and be loved by God. To love God and walk with him in relationship every day and to carry out his purposes in his creation. And this is his purposes, that we move to the least of these. Because we know, we know something. God moved to us, and we are the least of these, every one of us. We've got nothing to offer. We were in our sin and in our shame, and in the midst of that, Jesus came, and he broke through, and he came to us, and he restored us, and he redeemed us. We are the least of these, so we move to the least of these. This is what we do, Christians, and if you're overwhelmed, I understand being overwhelmed. If you don't know where to start, I understand, but you need to know that this is in your Christian DNA. This is who we are, followers of Jesus. This is our heritage. How do I know this? Christians have been living this out for thousands of years, and we're a part of their family. You see, we've been adopted into this Abrahamic family that's what that's what's, been, that's what's happened. And what does this family do? What does our family do, Christians? These are the things that we do. Did you know that there are non-biblical records as early as the early 100s, like second century, of Christians collecting money, though they were poor, to provide for the poor, orphans, widows, sick, prisoners, strangers, and all in need? Radical generosity. Did you know that in 260 A.D. there was a devastating epidemic that swept through Rome? Without access to health care, people were not cared for, and they were left to die alone and completely abandoned. A bishop named Dionysius recorded that Christians, quote, heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. He goes on to record that many of these Christians lost their lives in an effort to take care of the sick, because they believed in this mission. You know, Christians continued to care for the sick throughout the centuries. And did you know that the way Christians cared for the sick led to modern day hospitals, hospitals that take care of all people? It's amazing. Did you know that in our family, about the, in our family, in your heritage? This is an amazing story. In 374 AD, until that time, it was legal in Rome to expose and dispose of an unwanted, deformed, or mentally handicapped infant. And it was the Christians who would find these infants and care for them. Care for them until their death because they found them too late or care for them for a lifetime, raising them as their own, adopting them in their family. Eventually, Christians became so well-known for caring for these unwanted infants that churches became the locations for discarding these unwanted infants because the parents knew at least they'll take care of them. This led to the institution of orphanages, preventing these children from being enslaved, living a lifestyle of prostitution, or even dying. Did you know that Christians' heart to bring literacy to the common man so that they might read the Scriptures for themselves became a major factor in providing education opportunities to all people, including the poor? Over time, churches became the centers of education and responsible for overseeing school systems. free Listen to this. Free education to the poor was mandated by the church in 1179. Because of this, the Christian church created the basis for the Western system of education and education now and literacy is available to almost all. I could go on and on and on and fast forward to history. When we go to today, as of 2017, there was an approximate 430,000 full-time missionaries throughout the world. These missionaries are feeding the hungry These missionaries are providing water to people who don't have water. These missionaries are providing education to people who don't have access to education. They're helping people get access to health care. They are taking care of widows, opening up orphanages and schools for vulnerable children, all the while sharing the gospel. Church, this is in our DNA. It's in your blood. This is who we are. This is what the church does. This is what the people of God do. Oh, that it will be said of the Christians in America that we decided to move to the least of these. We decided to not be so addicted to comfort. And we decided to step out into our calling. The point here isn't that we all need to be foreign missionaries, though maybe some of us. Not even that we need to go to the ends of the world the earth, but we need to go to the ends of our street and to our communities and move to the least of these. Represent the heart of God to those far from God. Like God moves towards us, we move towards humanity. And as you do this, as you do this, you will probably never get celebrated from a stage. You will probably never see the fullness of your labors You'll probably never receive recognition. You will probably never even be told well done until that day comes that you stand in front of your creator and you see him face to face. And he looks at you and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come, enter the joy, enter the blessing of your master. Let's let's pray, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to get real clear right now on some on some activation. What is God saying to you about this? What are you going to do about it? Some of you, God has been speaking to you about something, and you keep putting it on the back burner. Maybe it's foster care and adoption. Did you know that there are 2,300 needed homes to meet the foster care need in South Carolina right now? Maybe God put on your heart to start a church, to plant a church. Maybe God put it on your heart to start a nonprofit or something big like that. And you've been putting it on the back burner. It's time to step in. But for most of us, it's probably not gonna be stuff like that. For most of us, it's gonna be actually introducing ourselves to our neighbors and asking how we can pray for them going to be actually sharing the gospel and sharing our faith. Hey, this is why I believe in Jesus. What do you think about that? And having conversations with people. What's God saying to you about how you need to get involved in the ministries of this church? And what's God saying to you about how you need to get involved moving to the least of these in our community, those around you? What I want you to do now, every every location, you should have got one of these cards when you came in. If you could grab it, we're gonna use it right now. And then I'll I'll, uh, hand it over to a pastor. We're gonna use this card. Grab this and a pen. Get your pen warmed up, make sure it's ready to write. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We don't want you, when you come to Newspring just to leave and say, that was a good sermon, okay, go. We wanna help you. So we're gonna write some things down. And these are things that you could talk about at the lunch table. These are things you could talk about with your family. The first thing I want you to write down is where is God asking you to serve in the church if you're not already? Right? Just write it down. Maybe God pricked your heart for Kitspring or few say, like my It says, my personal mission is, in that blank, right, serving kidspring or serve as a Parker or maybe you don't know, serve, as a, serve at the church. And I'll tell you that someone, a pastor's gonna come out in just a moment at your campus and tell you exactly how you can get plugged into serving in the church. And the next one, I want you to write down your personal mission in your everyday life. What's God speaking to you? What's he saying? Is it, the, is it your friends at school, or maybe it's, it's your coworkers, or maybe it's a nonprofit organization that works with, with people that are in vulnerable situations? Write down how God's pricking your heart. Maybe it's just like I, adoption, or maybe it's foster, or maybe it's I want to work with the poor, or maybe it's something like that. What's God saying to you? And then you're going to take this card home, and you're going to put it somewhere you can see it, and you're going to pray this prayer at the bottom constantly so we all can walk out this everyday mission. Let's be people who take action. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being so good, so merciful, so kind. Thank you that in your kindness and in your grace you move towards humanity, that you might redeem us. Thank you, God, that you move toward us, that you might redeem us. Thank you, God, that we can have life and salvation in Jesus Christ. pray all this in Jesus' name.